Welcome to the Restore Church Sermons podcast. We're so glad you joined us here today. We hope that through this message, you are encouraged, challenged, and strengthened. If you want to know more about Jesus, Restore Church, or have any questions, please head to restorechurch.com.au. Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. And as we've already said, last one of these, hopefully forever. Um, hopefully forever. It's the last time I have to preach in an empty hall to a camera and I'm really looking forward to seeing everyone next week. Please make it a priority to come along. It's going to be so good to be back together, um, worshipping together, coffee. Uh, It's going to be really good. So please come along. Um, I hope you're ready for this morning. As Mark said, you can uh, not only see what I'm talking on this morning, but the notes are in the Bible app and you can follow along and make notes as you want to go along. So anyway, this morning I'm going to be talking about this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. You ever say that you actually want to do something, that you're committed to something, but then kind of struggle with actually getting around to doing it? Ever ever say that you really believe in something, like really, that's really important to you, but if people were to look at the way you live or you spend your time and energy, they would struggle to see that that, in fact, is a value in your life. Have you ever dug into why that might be? Look, we, we can always come up with excuses, right? I really want to do this, I, I really believe in this, but I just, I just don't have time at the moment, or I'm too tired, or um, I'm, I'm busy, I'm overcommitted with other things, or um, you know, it's not the right time, or you know, the dog ate my homework, and you know what I mean. Like, we, we've always got excuses for why we don't do these things that we say are important, we're committed to, believe in, etc. But, but they're excuses, they're not reasons. Like, have you ever really dug into the reasons why? You know, I've been, I've been doing a bit of this myself recently, and having a look at things that I say I, I genuinely believe are important, and then they're not translating into action, they're not finding their way into my diary, they're not finding their way into my day. And the bottom line is, when I sit down and I, I actually look at it, it's, the truth is, that they're, they're actually just not that important to me. If they're important, I would actually find, find the time to do it, I would prioritise these things. Um, and I've been reading lately a little bit about how COVID has precipitated a great deal of soul-searching in people. Now we're sort of coming off the end of it, although if the news is anything to go by, we're about to go through even more of it. Um, but it's precipitated this, this soul-searching in people, a big re-evaluation of life and um, what's going on for people. And we've realised, basically, we can't take things for granted and it's got people really thinking about what we do and why we do it and, and, and really how we spend our time. And like work, I mean, we, we've got to work, but, but does our work life have to be what it currently is? is. And there's been a lot of talk about this thing called the great resignation that some people as part of this broader re-evaluation of life were going to just up stakes and, and leave their jobs en masse. There was going to be this exodus of people quitting jobs all over the place. Well, I was doing some reading on this and it, it hasn't happened exactly as they predicted it would but it has happened. There's, it's, it's happened en masse in some places more than others and it's happened in some fields more than others. But there's also been this re-evaluation for people, um, this is more my speciality, there's been this re-evaluation for people in terms of their faith, you know, their Christianity and their, their connection to church. And there's been some very big rethinks here. For some people, 
once the habits and the routines of, of you know, being around on Sundays and connect groups and your ministries and all of that were disrupted and you didn't have to do those things anymore, you couldn't do those things anymore, um, some people have d- just decided, well, I'm not really sure why I was doing that stuff in the first place. In fact, for some people, it kind of was just a habit that they'd got into, a bit of a routine, a bit of a groove that they had actually got into. And so a lot of people have begun to drop out of church, and not just out of church, have actually dropped out of Christianity. A lot of people have looked at it and said, you know, I've done this my whole life, I'm just, I just not really into it like I thought I actually was. And if they haven't dropped out altogether, then um, they've certainly changed their connection and their commitment with their local church. Engagement has dropped off dramatically. People are just a lot less inclined to be around as regularly as they used to be because they've realised it's just not something that is that important to them. It's just not that high on their list of priorities. And I was talking with a friend of mine a week ago and he was telling me about a church that he knows in this state. And pre-lockdown, uh, this church had about 700 people on, on, in their services on a Sunday, 700 people. He said since they've been back, uh, both the first time and now this time, they've had around about 100 people. That's a significant disengagement by a lot of people. There's nothing like some major disruptions to make us reevaluate our lives, is there? So if you haven't already, I thought it would be good for us to actually check in on ourselves, a bit of self-awareness here to see where we're at with all of this, where we're at with our faith, where we're at with Jesus, where we're at with being part of the church. Um, Have you thought about where you're at? Have you thought about whether or not things have changed for you in this time of disruption? I mean, it's been a challenging time for us all and it would be irresponsible for us not to just stop for a minute and take stock rather than just assume that, that we're going to snap back to the way things used to be. It's better for us to know where we're at rather than just uncritically kind of drift off or, or, or drift away. Because here's the thing, a lot of stuff has changed, but our call to discipleship and our call to mission, that, that hasn't changed at all. Yeah, the world's been disrupted, our attendance patterns and you know, all sorts of things have shifted and changed. But our initial call, our, the original call of us to be disciples of Jesus and our call to, to be on mission in the world and to be the church, that, that hasn't changed. Jesus still calls us to take up our cross daily and, and follow him. He hasn't changed his demands just because COVID has hit. Our call to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and to teach them to obey everything that he has commanded, that hasn't changed just because COVID has hit. Jesus is still building his church and his church still remains his plan A for the restoration of all creation, like COVID's changed a lot of things but it hasn't changed any of that at all. The the call to be a disciple, the call to be a church, those demands, they have not lessened one little bit. Now following Jesus and being the church, it's going to require just as much if not more now and going forward than it ever has done in the past because things have changed. Nothing about who we are and what we've been called to do has changed, even though the world has. But but again, we might have. We might have changed. Things might have shifted for us. So where are you at? Have you stopped to think where you're at in relation to your discipleship, to your relationship with Jesus, to your call to be a part of his answer to the world's problems, to be a part of bringing the kingdom 
on this earth. Now, you might think that you haven't shifted at all, but in terms of your thinking and what, what this immediate term looks like and what next year looks like, your calendar might be actually telling you something different altogether. Now, you may not be struggling, but, but some of you might be. And some of you may be very clear-eyed about this and you know exactly where you stand and others of you aren't sure because you haven't thought about it. So I thought it would be helpful for us today to just stop for a second and just to try and take stock of where we might be at. And then to see what it is that you might be able to do about where you're at and, and how we could help you if you need help with some of that. So I want to look at this passage of scripture from 1 Thessalonians now, 1 Thessalonians, this is a, a letter that Paul wrote to this little church that he had posted in Thessalonica, which was in Macedonia. And he'd, he'd started this church, and they're all new believers. Some of them have come out of Judaism, most of them were Gentiles. But there are a bunch of new believers, new followers of Jesus, and Paul doesn't get to stay with them very long at all before he has to leave again. And so he's concerned about them, you know, he's quite paternalistic, he's quite, he's quite fatherly, he, he cares about these people. So he writes this letter because word has got to him that they're struggling. Um, and of course, in those, that day and age, you know, the world was not that kind or generous towards people who were following Jesus and churches. And so there was a lot of resistance and there was even a lot of persecution. And so a lot of these people who'd signed up for this, who were really committed to it, in the face of resistance and persecution, they started to rethink things and, and, uh, and they started to, to drop off and fall away and check out of their responsibilities. So Paul writes to them, to remind them that they need to persist, they need to hang in there. And in, in Thessalonians in particular, which is one of Paul's earlier letters, he's really convinced that Jesus is about to return really, really soon. So he's like, hang in there because not long, not long now till Jesus comes back. Well, as you see, Paul's later letters, he realises, you know, Jesus isn't returning anytime soon. It doesn't matter, we still need to hang in there because, you know, the end... Uh, is going to be worth it. You know, what awaits for us in the end is actually going to be worth it. But in this context, he's talking to them, he's saying, you've got to hang in there, right? You've got to hang in there because, you know, we know sometimes that um, it, it is hard to persist. It's, it's hard to just put one foot in front of the other sometimes when you don't know if things are going to be different in the future. Um, and this, but this is what faithfulness looks like, right? Faithfulness looks like doing what you know you need to do even though you don't know where it's all going. And this is, this is Paul is encouraging these people to remain faithful. Anyway, he writes in this, And now, friends, we ask you to honour those leaders who work so hard for you. That, that would be me, right? who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Now, that's actually got nothing to do with what I want to talk about today, but I just think it's the most important verse in the Bible, and I want to leave it there. And, and remember how the Bible says, you know, you know, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word? Overwhelm them with appreciation and love, which usually translates cash, okay? Um, anyway, get along amongst yourselves, each of you doing your part. Our counsel is that you, that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on. Gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each other, uh, be, sorry, be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs. And be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, huh, who gets on each other's nerves, right? Be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, don't snap at each other. Look out for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Now, what I love about this with, with Paul, right, is um, he, he just, he realises that people 
go off the boil and they struggle with their commitment for different reasons, right? He just doesn't tar everyone with the same brush. He just doesn't look at this problem where people are, are dropping off and checking out of their responsibilities and says, yeah, you're all being slack, you're all being pathetic, you're all, you all lack commitment, you know, it's just not all, there are different reasons, you know, not everyone's going to the beach, not everyone's lying in bed watching church online or on demand when it suits them, okay? There are people are struggling for different reasons and he says that we need to be patient with each person and attentive to the individual needs of each person right so so the reasons behind struggling they're, they're quite individual they're quite unique to each person we're not all the same we haven't been through the same stuff and we're not all struggling with the same issues we're individuals who may be struggling to go to follow through on our commitment for very different reasons and each different reason requires a different response. Now he identifies at least three reasons in this passage and it's, it's not an exhaustive list of why people struggle, um, there can be other reasons why people struggle and it also needs to be nuanced as well. Now not every reason has the same cause or the same issues around it but as a broad scale it's actually quite helpful so he gives these three types of reasons and, and you know the, the, um, the issues that accompany those reasons as to why people are struggling and falling off in their commitment and he says one is that they're freeloaders right freeloaders that is they're people who struggle with their commitments and their priorities secondly they're stragglers they're people who are disheartened and discouraged and thirdly they're exhausted they're struggling with their ability and with their capacity right so there's these three broad categories freeloaders stragglers and the exhausted. Now, I don't know. Maybe if you take some time for just one second, can you see yourself in any of those categories? Does any of that actually apply to you? Or does more than one of those apply to you? We'll quickly go through them and we'll see if that's where you're at. The first is freeloaders. The NIV translates it idle. And the, Paul, the Greek word that Paul uses is the word ataktos. And it's, I like this word because it's actually a military term that I can really relate to. Actually, I can really relate to this on two levels. One is a military term, two is as far as the church is concerned. And what it means is to be a soldier who is kind of out of ranks, out of line. Um, it's essentially someone who's part of something but doesn't really take their responsibility as being part of something too seriously and they're not contributing and they're not adding sort of synergy to what that group is doing. They're kind of being dragged along by the energy of everyone else. Um, that's the sort of thing that Paul's talking about. It's essentially lazy, a consumer, someone who's like, you know, I'm turning up and you guys do all the work and I'm just here for the ride. It's that, it's that type of thing. And I, as I say, I really got that from having been in the army because one of the smallest units in the army is your section, right? A section is part of a platoon, a platoon is part of a company, a company is part of a battalion, a battalion is part of a regiment. But, so your smallest section, smallest um, unit is a section, it's about seven guys. And, and why this matters is because you are treated like a section. It's rare that you're treated like an individual. So when you're off doing, um, you know, PT or you're an exercise or something, if your section isn't pulling its weight because of one person, the whole section suffers. They don't just go, private so-and-so, you're slack, you're going to get punished. It's like one section, you're pathetic, you're going to have to do it all again. And the upside of that is it kind of self-regulates in that everyone in the section will beat the living daylights out of private so-and-so until he actually does what he's supposed to do. 
But that's the idea, that private so-and-so is this guy who's out of ranks. He's, he's not contributing, he's just weighing everyone down, he's just along for the ride. You can see the parallels with church, of course. The church isn't a section, but it's a body, right? And it requires every part to do its part, no matter how small that part is, no matter how insignificant you think that contribution is, if every bit does its part, it all begins to work. There is a synergy and an energy that goes with that. But when you've only got a handful of people doing the work and a lot of people who are out of ranks, I mean, in the church, we're not allowed to beat you senseless until you actually fall into line. That's a shame. No, it's not. We, we don't do that sort of thing, okay? There are other ways to do it, but, you know, it's like we have to get people's attention that, hey, it's not just you that you're affecting. When, when you decide to be out of ranks, when you decide to... You're just along for the ride and you're hoping that the energy of everyone else is going to pull you along... It's taking its toll on everyone else. We all suffer. When people don't do their thing, everybody suffers. Now, freeloading is about commitment and priorities. That's the rationale. That's the reasoning behind freeloading. Like, why do I not pull my weight? Why do I not do the things I should do? Why do I not commit? Why do I not contribute? Why do I not put in in some way? Well, it's about your priorities and it's about your commitment, what's important to you, because our treasure will always follow our heart. What's important to us, right, that's where we're going to give all our time and our energy and resources. So when somewhere something gets our best, despite what we say, that actually shows what actually matters to us, what is important, what our priorities are. And one of the great revelations that have come out of COVID is that people are too busy, too busy. And that's why there's been this great re-evaluation and this kind of checking out, and it's true. Most of us are too busy, most of us are too overcommitted and to live a healthy and sustainable lifestyle, you know, we can't do everything that we really think we would like to do, we have to prioritise in that. So some things have to go and be pared back. So what does that mean for following Jesus and being the church? Where, where does that rank in our priorities? When we look at our life and we realise we can't live at that pace and we can't do all of these things... Where do they fit? Are, are they going to be the things that get paired back? Or are they the things that we're going to make room for because they actually do matter to us? They are important and we are committed to that. Now, Paul's prescription, Paul's prescription for the freeloader is that we are to warn them. We are to, the word is literally admonish. It's that kind of finger-wagging thing, right? Which would admonish people like that. And it says, we are, not just me, not just the elders, not just the leaders, like we, the body. Again, it's, a, it's meant to be the body, self-regulating type thing. We are meant to warn one another about this. And warning is a, is a big word. It, it's, it's actually serious stuff that's actually going on here. You know, you need to be warned because you're actually in, in danger. In danger of what? Well, in danger of falling away. In danger of actually not making it in the end. See, Jesus... Jesus sees it very differently to the way we see it. Jesus would say things like, no one who puts their hand to the plough and then turns back is actually fit for service in the kingdom of God. Don't forget, Jesus had no problems in saying to people, um, don't bother. Now, when people came to him and said, look, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in for you, I want to follow you, I want to do all this stuff, but, but first, I've got other stuff to take care of. He'd be like, no, forget it. There's no but first. There's no but first. It's, it's first follow me or just forget all about it. So it's, it's actually really quite serious stuff. 
Maybe Jesus is the one who says, you know, anyone who wants to follow me and first doesn't take up his cross daily and follow me, someone who isn't prepared to lay down their life in some way, he then says, well, if you're not prepared to do that, you actually cannot be my disciple. You can't be my disciple. It's not like you can be my disciple and you can be on mission on your terms, right? That's, that's not how this works. I set the terms and this is what I require. So you need to make a decision whether or not that's actually important to you, whether you want to commit to that and whether that's going to be a priority in your life. Now, you know me, right? Oh, I hope you know me. I hope you know that I'm not a hardline guy. I, I hope, I, I try to, but I hope I come across pretty gracious in most things. Now, if I don't, I'm gen- this is genuine, you're more than welcome to talk to me about that. If I come across and I'm not being gracious, y- you let me know about that. But, you know, grace and truth, they have to go together, right? Grace and truth have to go together. Again, there's the, the, tension that we need to manage, if we get all truth with no grace, then it's just, you just feel beat up, don't you, right? You just go around beating people up and we all feel bad. And it doesn't really accomplish anything except make people feel really bad, okay? So grace and truth have to go together. But if by the same token we get all grace and no truth, well, that's, that's no good for people either, you know? It just ends up being wishy-washy, feel-good sort of garbage, and, and the thing is, you know, you are loved and you are valued and you are incredibly important. That's, that's, that's the grace and the truth part in it. But the part of the truth is sometimes you need to get your act together. You need to pull your socks up. You need to think about what's important in life, right? You're still loved, but, but really, you, you, you think that thing that you do, you think that passes muster for discipleship? No, it, it, it doesn't. And it's because I love you that I need to tell you this. I, I love you and that's why I'm warning you about this. You freeloaders, you, if this applies to you, if you, you're sitting there going, hey, I'm a freeloader this morning. Um, if you have this revelation that, you know what, it's just not that important to me. I, I, I do have other priorities. And then let me warn you graciously and in love. Think about it. Think about the trajectory that you're on. Think about where that's going to take you. Grace and truth. Commitment, look, here's what I want to say. We've got to ditch the I'm too busy thing, right? We've got to ditch the I'm too busy thing. Because the fact of the matter is, we're all busy. We're all busy. We're all overcommitted in some way. And the people who do the majority of work around here, as it is in all churches, they're just as busy as everyone else, in fact, probably more so because they're compensating for a bunch of people who think they're too busy to help. Commitment is not just a matter of time, it's a matter of priorities and we all have to prioritise and as I said, you do what is important to you because your treasure follows your heart. And if you don't have time to be a contributing part of the body as an outworking of discipleship, then maybe you just need to admit that it's not important to you. Seriously, just admit to yourself. It's actually not important to me. Save yourself and everyone else the grief. I mean, you love it, you love the people, you're happy, you know, you've got nothing against it, but it's just not that important to you. If that's where you're at this morning, you need to be able to admit that. And I mean, you know us, we're not a demanding, all-consuming place, we're not big on overdoing it. We want people to live healthy and sustainable lives. There's no glory in burning people out for Jesus, that's not who we are or what we do, and you should know that, but we all need to pull our weight and we all need to contribute, not just consume. And we all need to take our discipleship seriously. Now, I'm probably the least qualified person to talk about this, but there is a tension to manage between self-care and self-sacrifice. 
And it is a tension to manage. It's not rules that we can draw up and say everything's always going to look like this or everything's going to always look like that because, you know, there has to be give and take in that all all the way. And self-care is actually important, but if all we ever do is prioritise self-care, then we fail in our responsibility as disciples and as part of the body. But if we go the other way and all we ever do is self-sacrifice, then we fail from the point of view of being a healthy human being. We fail ourselves, we burn ourselves out and then consequently we're actually no good to anyone else either. And, and one of the other knock-on effects is because we're so busy doing the self-sacrificing stuff, no one else sees that there might be needs that they could fill because they think, oh, these people have got it all covered and so they don't step up. So both of these things are failures in their own right. So here's the thing I want us to understand. It's not okay for the same people to always be doing self-sacrifice while other people are always doing the self-care. We all need to be able to do a bit of both. A bit of self-sacrifice and a bit of self-care and we all have to manage that tension. But it only works if, if people aren't out of ranks, if people aren't actually just coming along for the ride on the energy of others. People are actually contributing in every way they possibly can. As I say, even if it's in what you consider a small or insignificant way, and I would argue there are no small or insignificant ways for people to contribute, but it only works if we all do that. Now, I know there are other reasons people don't serve. You might not feel like you've got anything to offer. You might be new and not sure how you go about it. You may be in a season of life where it literally is impossible for you to do that. This happens, right? This sort of stuff happens. We know that, okay? So please hear me. I'm not talking about all of that stuff and trying to guilt trip anyone. I'm talking about if you're in a place where it's just not important to you, it's just not that important to you, it's just not a priority, it's not something you're prepared to commit to, maybe you need to think about that. So where are you at? If this is you, what are you going to do? What could we do to help you? Look, there's no shame in this. We all can be in this place from time to time for a bunch of reasons, okay? But what are you going to do about that? There's, there's no remedying that without identifying that and being self-aware about that first. So, freeloaders. The second one, and these two are nowhere near as long as the first one, stragglers. Makes people sound pretty slack. The M- NIV, actually, I prefer. It says the disheartened and the discouraged, right? And this I get because this is where a bunch of us might actually be right now. As Paul's prescription for people in this place is encouragement. If people are struggling with being disheartened and discouraged, then the, the solution, the prescription, the thing we need to do for them is to encourage them, to give them hope, to help give them strength, to help get them see that it's worth persisting and continuing without even knowing where it's all going. And these last two years have been really hard and testing and tiring. This COVID stuff has been a challenge in and of itself. But, you know, even with that going on, life, normal life stuff has not stopped for any of us. We've all been doing normal life stuff in the middle and on top of all the COVID stuff we've been doing. And what the net effect of that has been that the stuff we would normally do in normal times, you know, it can be a bit of a challenge in and of itself. But through COVID and all these lockdowns and everything, wow, you know, it's, um, it weighs a lot more. Some of this stuff is a lot heavier and we're a lot more depleted. I think there is a real soul weariness that's going on for many of us in this season. A lot of us are tired. 
on the inside, maybe, uh, maybe a bit, maybe a bit more than a bit, disheartened and discouraged. And so this isn't a matter of, of that we're lacking priorities and commitment. We, we've got our priorities sorted. We're committed. We know what, what we want to commit to. It's just that our hope has taken a beating. Our, as I say, our souls are tired. We're tired on the inside. And it is very hard for us to feel hopeful or to feel energised at the moment. And that's why we need to encourage one another. The Bible says that. We're to encourage one another as much as possible. We are to speak life into one another and help one another see that there is a point to putting one foot in front of the other. The Bible tells us to do that a lot. You know, when I was first diagnosed with cancer at the beginning of um, COVID, one of the first things my wife Heather did was she created a photo wall on the back, in the back room of our house. And she put up all these photos of a range of things. One of them was the celebration of an 80th birthday party saying 80 years loved. And she put up photos of places we'd visited in Europe and were hoping to visit again. And photos of our family and my grandkids and a photo of a house by the sea, which is that's where we're going to retire. But the point of it was that I would have this visual thing that I would see every day as I'd walk past or if I sat in the chair out the back. In my line of sight was this photo wall that was telling a completely different story to the one that was going on in my head and the one I was kind of hearing from the doctors at the time. It was one that spoke of hope and it spoke of a future and it spoke of reasons to live. And that was a very different narrative to the thing, let me tell you, that was going on in my head. I was having some really dark discouraged times where I would sit there and think it's it, that's it it's over I'm gonna I'm gonna die I don't I don't have a future and she put this thing up there not to not to badger me you know she wasn't on to me I was allowed to feel what I was feeling I had to process all of that but there was this constant source of of encouragement to me that that Adrian things can be different and we've got we've got to at least aim for things to be different you've got to get your head in the game we've got to work towards this that's how she began to encourage me and we need that sort of encouragement. We need that sort of encouragement for others. We need others to be able to, to get alongside us sometimes and go, I know it's hard, but there is hope, but there is a future, and there is this, and there is that. And point to things within our lives that, that, that are good and that we can be grateful for in the meantime. Sometimes we need that because we're so tired, we just don't have the energy and we lack the perspective on that. And to be honest, sometimes we need to encourage ourselves too. There's this story in 1 Samuel 30 where David and his men, they're at war with the Amalekites and David has this genius, stroke of genius, strategy idea that they're going to go and do this thing. And they all ride off and do this thing and while they're off doing it, it's been a trap and the Amalekites ride in and, and kidnap all their wives and children. And David and his men come back from this raiding party and it's like their families are all gone and everyone's, you know, understandably really, really upset about this and they... They, they pick up stones, they want to stone David to death. And you know what it says that David does in that moment? He, not what I would do, get him a horse and ride away as quickly as I possibly can. It says that David just sort of stops and says, encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, the presence of mind to be able to do that. But the reason he did that was because he needed again to get perspective so he could actually hear what it was that he needed to do next. And and, and this is the point behind encouraging ourselves and, and filling our minds with things other than the, the dark, depressing thoughts that we can sometimes fill our minds with is that, you know, it, it drowns out those negative voices in our head and allows other more 
truthful, greater truthful uh, voices to speak into our lives that we might actually be encouraged even though our circumstances and our environment hasn't changed at this point in time. You know, one of the easiest ways for us to encourage ourselves is to simply turn up. You know, one of the things that happens when we're feeling discouraged and disheartened is we begin to, to hive off. We begin to separate ourselves and to move away from people. I get it. I mean, I am, I'm an introvert. Uh, I love being alone. Um, and so when things are going bad for me, the most natural thing for me to do is just to keep, you know, stay alone, stay away from people. It is a natural impulse, but, but it's, actually, it's actually not a constructive, it's not a helpful impulse. So if we want to encourage ourselves and we don't have the capacity to sit and encourage ourselves in the Lord like David did, then maybe the best thing we can do is simply turn up and be around people and be in, a, in an environment that is going to be encouraging. Where we're going to sing songs about truth, you know, we're going to be around people who can just put their arm around you and hold you up, you know. That's a way that you can encourage yourself just by taking that step to be here. You know, and the Bible also says that we're to speak to ourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, what are you filling your mind with at the moment? That makes a difference. So maybe some of your practices need to change if you're feeling discouraged and, and, and disheartened. Change some of your practices. Start filling your mind with, with good things. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. So what can you do to encourage yourself and what can others do to encourage you? And very quickly, I'm going to finish with this last one, the exhausted, which literally means without strength. It is a it is an ability and a capacity issue for people. Some people are just so exhausted they don't have the ability or the capacity to actually do anything. Now, we can be without ability and capacity in different ways for different reasons. We can be physically exhausted and we just can't do it. We can be emotionally exhausted, which is like the last point, except worse, it's not that we're just discouraged or disheartened, we're flatlining, we, we've just got nothing, we're just, like, ugh, we're just dead inside. There can be confidence issues that paralyze us with fear and you know, prevent us from stepping out and capability issues. We want to do something, we just don't know how or where to start. Well, Paul's prescription for us to help people like that who are struggling with that is to reach out to them and help pull them to their feet because, because they can't get up for themselves. We cannot get up for ourselves. In fact, the word that Paul uses literally means to come alongside and cling to. That's how up close and in your face and personal this is. To get alongside someone and actually cling to them, to stoop down and to grab them and to actually lift them back up onto their feet. Now maybe you're in one of those places today. Maybe that's where you're at. You're, you're, I'm exhausted. I'm physically exhausted. I'm emotionally exhausted. I, okay, or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just like, I want to I wanna help, but I'm, I'm just paralyzed with fear. I just don't know where to start. Or you might be in a place where it's like, I just, I just don't, I don't know how to. I don't know how to do things. Maybe that's where you're at. Well, how can we help with that? How can you help yourself? Again, Paul says, be attentive to people's individual needs. Again, even within this category, there's different reasons for it. You know, if people are physically done, how can we serve them? If people are emotionally burned out, how can we love on them and gently bring them back to life? If people are paralyzed with fear, how can we help people take little steps of faith that help them overcome that and see that they can do this? If people are just stuck and don't know where to start, how can we get alongside them and give them some practical tips on what they can do? This isn't just about us being able to plot where we might be at any given moment. This is a way of us having a broader understanding of where other people might be. Again, 
we're not dealing with, with just one generic problem. We're dealing with individuals with different things going on in their lives that, and each one of those things requires a unique and individual response. So it's, uh, it's a good awareness thing for us that as people begin to come back, as we begin to come back, even though we may be here physically, we may not all be in the same space, in the same shape. And it's incumbent on us, not just to, to, to try and do things for ourselves, but to be aware and to try and help other people. Anyway, I'll finish here. We're about to come back to in-person gatherings. We're about to come back to this normal, whatever that is, in some ways. We're going to need everyone to play their part by serving and contributing in some way. As I said, our call to discipleship and our mission, the reason why we're here, that hasn't changed at all. If anything, it's probably got a little bit harder and so we're going to need everyone to step up. And it's been a rough ride for a while, but now it's time to take stock and to make some decisions about where you're at and what you're going to do about that. This sort of thing requires real intentionality. It's not enough for us to just come back and default to whatever it is and then just hope things are going to change. We have to give this some thought and be intentional about what it's going to look like and about how we can help you if you need help and then about how you can help others when you see they need help as well. All right, that's enough for me. We've got an AGM to get to very soon. But in the meantime, we're going to take communion. God bless you and uh, I'll see you in the AGM. But beyond that, I'll see you next week. Bye.